0: Welcome podcasters to another episode of Improper Mimi and I am sitting here today with one of my good friends Dana and we're going to talk about some things that have been on our minds and been really interesting to us lately like we've been under quarantine with COVID for months now and just where has that left us where has that left us in a different place than where we started off 2020 back in January and I think one thing that stuck out to both of us a lot was that we are now in a place where we may or may not be considered activists. You know, we are now in a place where we honestly can maybe look at ourselves and and really think more like, are we feminist? You know, like are these these names and titles and just the things that we do and the things that we've seen and how we are now sharing our thoughts and how we are now expressing ourselves really we've we've kind of both found a new passion and and i've noticed it in dana and i'm sure she's noticed it in me so um dana welcome to improper mimi hey hey yes i'm so glad that you joined me today and yeah we're just gonna chat and have our conversation about you know When is it, or how did we realize that, that we're activists?
1: Like what? (laughs) I mean, I will say at the beginning of the year,
0: Mm. you know, when
1: everything was quote unquote normal, Mm -hmm. my biggest thing was acquiring more stuff. Right. I was like, I'm going to get my new spring wardrobe. I'm going to get this new lipstick from Sephora, and that's, yeah, where my mind went, and then COVID hit. Oh um, yes. Mm-hmm. And then I got sick. Oh. Mm-hmm. And then I think my priorities for myself, my priorities started to shift it when I got sick. Yeah. And then when I hear all the data coming in about African Americans and Latinos getting hit harder than everybody else. Yeah. And that hit me. And then obviously in May with George Floyd, with the Floyd murder. Yes. I think that just pushed me over the edge because I'm just like, nah, (laughs) This system that we live in where a man can look into a camera with a knee on someone's neck and not give a damn that he's being filmed. Yeah. How far have we gotten and what kind of system is this that we're living in? And then at that point I was like, Mm. all right, let me just, you know, Put a couple of things more on Instagram that I didn't put on before because my Instagram was apolitical.
0: Yeah. Pretty yeah, pretty much too, yeah.
1: And then it was just like, you know what? Life is short. Mm-hmm. COVID could get me. I could say the wrong thing to the wrong person. Mm-hmm. You know? Nothing is guaranteed. So for me, why am I in this existence being someone that I'm not wholly comfortable with?
0: yeah yeah like why do we hold our tongue you know when there's people that need to hear what we have to say you know pe- everyone may not know it or they may not want to listen to it but you know if it's something that we're passionate about something we truly believe in yes we should speak up we should say something you know um and advocate for those around
1: us who can't Exactly. And I think, too, we don't say anything because there is a fear for our own physical safety, right? Um, there's a fear for our jobs.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Because mm-hmm. before I started being a little more political on Instagram, I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, if my employer sees this and they are offended, mm, yeah, that might be grounds for dismissing. So I had to sit down and have a conversation with myself. It's like... <laughs> But am I going to let a social media platform that kind of represents me Mm -hmm. not really represent who I am during this time when so many other people are doing it and when they are just saying what I really think. And I began to think of myself as a little bit of a coward Mm. for not saying it, especially when you look at people like John Lewis who got hit upside the head. Yeah. For getting the right to vote. I'm like, who am I to be sitting at home? saying nothing pretending that everything's okay when i know in my heart and soul everything is not okay
0: yeah painfully so you know and and i think that that's one thing definitely definitely with with covid and the quarantine and people being in the house all the time and you know again thank thank goodness you're feeling much better now you know um but with everybody at home i think that also had a lot to do with um people being actively out protesting like there's more than one way to be activist you know in the streets writing letters on the phone social media talking to our families having those hard conversations Um, but if we weren't under quarantine and if people were at work during their regular nine to five or their eight to six there would not have been as many people out protesting as there were you know, in, in June, right after George Floyd's murder.
1: No, no um, way. And, and I think that's why it spread around the world as well, because so many people were locked down.
0: Yes, yeah. we were hearing and seeing what's going on in the States. What is going on in the United States?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really interesting, because I have an acting class that I attend now, and one of the young ladies in my class is from Australia. Oh, wow. And she was like... And she stated that we, that they have this image of America. And then when you get here, you don't realize how messed up it is, especially how racist it is. Yeah. Because we do, especially in the media, have a tendency to glorify the sports figures or the Beyonce's or, you know, Barack Obama is like, Hey, we have a black president. Hey, we have all these sports celebrities and celebrities and yeah, so everything's great for African-Americans and Latinos. And then you get here and then you, you know, do the day to day, and you realize, oh no! <laughs>
0: yes, what those superstars, what they, what you see on TV, broadcast all around the world, is not the same thing you see on the subways, or the same thing you see in the densely populated urban, you know, neighborhoods that we have in the city, or even in the rural areas where you know there may be a community of black folks, or there may not be. You know, it may be spread out, far and few between. Yeah. Um, a lot of those little towns, you know, things carry on the way that they carried on 50 years ago, you know,
1: and... A big town, and yes, they do. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's just tradition. It just carries on that way.
0: And, And that's, you know, and that's what a lot of people are coming up against now of, you know, Different disparities in our neighborhoods and our communities and everything that have come up with COVID and and um, any in in any like traumatic experience, you really see how the disparities are and against white and black and minorities. But um, it, you know, just it being the way that it used to be, you know, mm-hmm. and and that's you know kind of how I think a lot of black people are used to dealing with stuff like they are you know, they don't, they give up hope, you know, or like some people I talk to, you know, they're not passionate, they're, they're not ready to vote. And I'm like, um, but you can vote. So you need to vote. And they're like, oh, well, nothing's going to change. Everything's going to stay the same. I'm like, no, the more of us that, you know, come together, we don't all have to vote for the same thing, but you need to have a voice and a say in the things that go on around you. And not just for the presidential election, but these local elections as well, because those local elections, they make up, you know, your, your, your law enforcement, they make up your judges, they make up, you know, who's going to decide and appoint who the police commissioner is. So all of these little local things, yeah, it builds up and this is the whole system in the United States and that's what we need to change that's what we need to, to get in there and tear those bricks down so that we can have some justice, you know, for everybody, not just a few elite people. You know, yeah.
1: people acting like these things like health issues and pay disparities and the stress of racism in this country are separate things. They're not, they're all intertwined. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You can't like de one without the other. Like once you start peeling back that onion, And you realize that, yeah, these things are all connected. They're all connected. And I I love the fact that yes, you are, you know, speaking up more and showing, you know, and being vocal um, because it lets people who know you see what it is that you're thinking and how it is that you're feeling. And it kind of um, challenges them to take a look at themselves and what part they are playing in this, whether they're on the the ally, you know the white friend or the employer side or whether they're like a family member. um, You know, because we sometimes we do it to ourselves within our black families, where you know whether imposter syndrome or just that self sabotage kind of. um, feeling of not feeling or believing in yourself and then decide in, you know, just not doing anything about it. You know, just, just sitting back and not challenging yourself to go for that job or to start that business or um, discouraging our youth, you know, from doing something that they're passionate about that they can pursue.
1: Um, I think if our youth were told that, and they're beginning to, not to say that it's not happening Mm -hmm. It's definitely happening more now than when I was coming up, that there is a wide range of things that you can do Mm -hmm. in order to, you know, move on and to make a better life for yourself. Yeah. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And that message really needs to get out there, but not just that message, but they also need to know the resources that are needed to move them to the next step
0: Mm -hmm. and how they can achieve that, you know, like step by step, like if they haven't seen it done before, if, if nobody they know has done this, has started their own company has, you know, filed for an LLC or gotten, you know, the rights to write a book or something like that, or even gone to college, you know, and and working with some mentees, you know, like over the last year. Yeah, this is something that we go over with them because they don't all know the process to apply to college, and their counselors at school are not always sitting with them hand by hand and walking them through that process. So, yes, you're going to have to write a lot of essays. Yes, you're going to have to, you know, you know, do a lot of applications for scholarships because this ain't cheap, you know.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but it's possible, you know, if that's what they want, you know.
1: Um, yeah. You know that that stuff is available. And you're right. Like, you're being a mentee is great. But that's just another way that COVID is re- revealing how broken this system really is. It's showing how the medical system is broken. Yeah. Race is systemic racism. And it's showing how the education system is broken.
0: Mm-hmm. And good Lord have mercy. You know, there's so much. And how are we going to fix it all? And which one is going to come first? And, <laughs> uh, But, you know, I I still have hope, you know, that um, bit by bit, every little bit counts, you know, and even if it's one school at a time, or one family at a time, or one district at a time, um, I don't think we can give up, we can't afford to, you know, it's not just I don't even have any kids in New York, you know, so.
1: <laughs> I don't have any kids at all, so.
0: <laughs> exactly, right? But yet, here and still, we're concerned yeah. about the youth today and what they're facing and how their education is going to be impacted by all of this.
1: But what I don't want to happen is that I don't want to go back to the way it was before or quote, unquote, quote unquote normal.
0: hmm
1: yeah, hmm I want us to make some real, real change. Yes. Yeah. In this world. Whether it's by making phone calls or, you know, because I don't want these kids to grow up and I will throw my own little personal thing in there, thinking that part of them is less than. Yeah.
0: There's, yeah, no. Uh, you know. And you know, kudos to you know the youth, and it, it is usually is the youth that initiate and start you know um, protest and and change to happen and to come about. You know, and 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 the, watching them and seeing them say enough is enough makes us also say enough is enough.
1: You know, this old head auntie me. <laughs> Looking at these young kids, especially the white kids and the black kids together, like this time, I'm seeing so many white youth and allies coming aboard. I'm just like, that gives me hope that people are finally beginning to get it. When I look at the New York Times bestseller list and I see all these books still on the list about how to be anti-racist, yeah. how to talk about race, I'm like, thank you. God, people are actually picking up some material because they want to have hard conversations. I can have a hard conversation. We can all, most of us can have hard conversations. Exactly. Yeah. That's the only way we're going to get past this. Mm-hmm.
0: And, and I'm telling you, and I, I know I've said it before, but like going to work after the George Floyd murder was usually when a black man is killed by the hands of the police and then we have to like, Fix our face and go to work the next day. Um, no mention of it. Goes through the day, you know, silent as a mouse. But yes, this time was different. People were talking about it. White people, white colleagues, talking about it. Um, and not just. There were a few colleagues who just talked about like the the protest and the and the looting and stuff. But most people were really just talking about how could the cops do that? Like, what did this man do? Like, that's wrong, that's unacceptable, you know, and asking about our black employees. And I'm like, what is this? This is not the way it usually happens. I'm like, I I just, I had to take a moment because it was like emotionally overwhelming for me that people outside of the black community were upset and they were voicing their concerns and opinion. And I'm like, this is what we need. I mean, we need to do the same thing of um, making sure that
1: things change, you know. I think after George Floyd, full uh, disclosure, most of my best friends are white. Mm-hmm. Oh, friends are white. <laughs> <laughs> but a few of them actually called and checked up on me. Yeah. And they asked, Are you okay? That is stuff first time that has happened wow to realize that watching that is traumatizing
0: mhm
1: like think we have a tendency to watch this stuff and move forward and we don't a lot of white people don't get how traumatizing it is for us to watch that and then to walk out on the street and pretend like nothing's wrong the next day
0: exactly and to see like even a video surfaced of a boy playing basketball in his own driveway and then he sees a cop car go by and he hides behind like his parents car and I mean, for a youth, a, you know, for to, to have that fear in your own driveway. When you see a cop car because you know at that young age of like 10 or 11 that some cops are good and some are bad and you just stay out of their way hidden to save your life that's 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 crazy, you know, to me so.
1: That's sad, that's horribly sad,
0: yeah, yeah, and it's you know making it known as well with these shows like blackish um, you know that that talk about these kind of things, and they even bring it up in their work environment, and maybe those type of shows also have helped to prepare our white colleagues to be allies of it's okay to have these conversations, you know, with you know mm-hmm. black employees. You know, it's okay to, um, you know, they poke fun of it a lot, but it's okay to, um, you know, express your desire for things to change, and to be that catalyst for change. So, a lot of these companies, like we were talking about diversity and inclusion. Mm-hmm. Um, they 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 made statements. A lot of them made statements this, you know, mm-hmm. this spring about diversity and inclusion, but we need to see them back it up.
1: Mm-hmm. We gotta back it up. You gotta keep an eye on them. I mentioned my little Sephora habit before. I know they've taken up the fifteen percent challenge, so they yeah. have dedicated fifteen percent of their shelf space to mm-hmm. African American, you know, makeup artists, makeup creators, skincare creators, which yeah. is Awesome.
0: Yes, totally. I saw that, and I wasn't quite sure what it was. I wasn't sure if it was product or employees or staff. But yeah, that 15% challenge, if that's going to catch the attention of companies. Because let's also not get it twisted that the Black spending power
1: is huge in this oh, country. That's real, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> the only reason that they released those statements is because we have so much buying power in this country.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think with the surge of, I mean, I've pretty much generally been like buy black, you know, like support black businesses, restaurants, creatives, you know, entrepreneurs. Um, but I think a lot more people are also jumping on to buy black, you know, and support black businesses. Um, mm-hmm. And it's a beautiful thing to see both black and white and, you know, people of color supporting black businesses. But yeah, these companies, you know, we have to hit them where, you know, their their pockets are and let them know we mean business. Like if you want us to shop at your store, we need to see representation of our own people there, our yeah. own products there.
1: And I will say Target's done it too. Target, because um, I buy Black and Bold Coffee now, which is made by two black brothers in Brooklyn.
0: Woo woo, hey.
1: Next time I bought like stuff for my hair, I was like, "Okay, who actually owns this company?" Yeah. And I will make sure that all my hair products are black-owned.
0: Yeah, and that's our responsibility as consumers, you know, to to do that research, to do that homework, and be like, "Is this a black-owned company? Is this a black, you know, produced product?" You know, to to ensure that we're supporting you know businesses that need to thrive, especially after so many. Restaurants and companies were closed down during um, quarantine for COVID.
1: It's going to be an interesting few years here in New York. I'm not going anywhere.
0: You ain't going anywhere. You could, you're a New Yorker for life. you
1: staying. I will stay close by. Let me rephrase that. <laughs> Even before COVID, I wanted to get a farm a little bit upstate. Yeah. But I'm. But if I can have a farm upstate and apartment here, uh-huh. I- that farm thing is looking pretty good, girl. <laughs> you know, you get some land,
0: mm-hmm. uh, farm or something out, outside of the city. You Grow know. my
1: whole food.
0: hmm Get a little bit of resources, you know. Uh, yeah, we really do need to take back control of a lot of these things that are our destiny, you know, our take control of our food, our careers, our education, our health um and not take no for an answer we got to keep pushing
1: no and there are certain things exactly like mm-hmm. it's going to be work i've learned that christianity is going to be work
0: oh yes okay. racial
1: justice is going to be work
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you know things like going to the doctor and them not asking the right questions are them rushing you through because that's the way that system is built right now yeah no, don't accept that, find somebody else.
0: Yeah, I was really disappointed and because I have a black GYN doctor and I'm like, yes, sister, yes. But this has not been the first time that I've been like rushed through the appointment. And I'm like, okay, I might have to find another doctor because it, it keeps happening, you know, and, and we deserve to have that time spent to answer the questions that we have also for this person to be able to to look at us and you know have conversations with us yes have a conversation you know so we need um...
1: to ask you that did your parents ask you to code switch
0: um i don't think they asked me to i think because a lot of the churches we grew up were predominantly white as well so or or was that code switching when you say listen to grown-ups you know um, I don't know that that's really considered code switching but you know I had to like obey my elders and you know that kind of stuff
1: Um, I'm just curious because thinking back on it I think my mom may have thought the solution was assimilation as opposed to being who you are not not there's nothing wrong with being smart obviously
0: yeah but
1: to be more like the people you are around is the safest way to go
0: yeah
1: and then as you get older and you learn more you wind up stuffing a lot of stuff inside because this is the way to go, this is the easiest way to go, and it gets you access, and it gets you to move on. Mm -hmm. You're not a troublemaker.
0: Yeah. I can remember some things like um, how to act in a store, you know, Mm -hmm. like um, not touching things or putting things or, you know, um you don't want people to think that you stole anything and um and you don't really internalize that like why would why would people think i stole something you know because i'm a, a black child you know mm-hmm. but um but yeah nothing that you, you know yeah you got to kind of think about it because like to to consider if it was like code switching or not um, but a lot of those things that our parents told us were to keep us safe you know like kind of assimilation like don't stand out you know just you know don't cause any trouble you know
1: and then there were my mother i used to use the word inked. <laughs> my mom would flip every time i used that word yeah. that word doesn't exist it's not proper english don't use that word
0: uh-huh.
1: and then as i got older and some of the kids i grew up with as i got older my mom would tell me not to hang around certain black kids.
0: Mm, mhm. They were trouble.
1: Exactly. <laughs>
0: mhm.
1: And then I wonder if that frames sometimes and I'm sure not. I'm not the only kid who went through this. Yeah. That frames how I look at my culture as a whole as I get older. Mhm. Cuz I will it freely admit there are times that I look down on my own culture i'm ashamed of it at this point Mm -hmm. but yeah there was a time i did that yeah and i shouldn't have Mm -hmm.
0: but that's how we were raised and taught and the fear like we said the fear that was instilled in us you know and it's part of that separation of thinking that well if we could make it then what's wrong with those other people why couldn't they do it you know like why don't they you know, and not realizing that there really are systemic, systemic um, practices in motion that do hold people back, and hold them down and prevent them from reaching and succeeding in certain areas of their life. Um, I mean, I was a teenage mom, and that that wasn't common for my family, you know, that was kind of like the the exception. So I know I was still expected to go to school, go to college, you know, do all of that stuff. But I still felt like I had to um, do improve, you know, twice as much just because I didn't want people to think of me as a a statistic or like a a typical teenage mom. You know, Um, I was definitely a workaholic. I worked, 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 you know, so that I could keep achieving and you know doing different levels at work so i could provide for my daughter you know um and i don't know it's like no matter how hard you work um there still will be you know one person who may have a comment or something that will just make you feel like they just took you down a notch or two you know it's like man you know like no matter what i do it's not good enough um, until you really realize that everything I do is good enough for me and my family and um, and that's what I'm going to keep on doing.
1: <laughs> realize and that's where I now just to backtrack a little bit. I didn't know you were a teenage mom until this very moment. Oh yeah. God bless. You're a phenomenal human being.
0: Oh, it's family. You know, that takes a village. I
1: was hearing you say, you have support from your family. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I knew girls in my school who wound up pregnant and were thrown out of the house. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So like, you said, like you said about, you don't know the systemic reasons why they couldn't achieve. You don't know what's going on in their home. Yeah. They couldn't achieve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And looking to hindsight being twenty twenty, but it's like this whole judgment thing we do to people. We do it to ourselves. It's like, oh well I sound too white well maybe I shouldn't or you know Mm -hmm. I feel guilty about this I feel bad about that if anything this summer has taught me I'm just letting shit go if you like me you like me if you don't you don't there's (laughs) nothing I can do
0: Uh uh-huh
1: and be myself I -hmm. think I have learned that I have stopped trying to please people all the freaking time because all I do is hurt myself
0: yeah, it's not worth it. We don't there we don't have enough energy left. We don't have enough time left to placate other people and make them feel better by holding our tongues. Mm-hmm. You know? So it's very um and to I don't know, to have that family to there to support, you know, me through like college and you know, even now you look at people living in family homes, like that generation not everyone has a home that mm-hmm. you can have people live in you know like for some of those teenage moms maybe they had to be kicked out because if they lived in a housing unit where you couldn't have more people then sorry kid, you got to go you know or that puts everybody else in jeopardy mm-hmm. um it could also just be that shame of the family be like oh no what have you done to us you have to go you know, like I can't, and you don't know the reasons or the the things behind. You know, some of these situations it may not have, you know, it may not have been the, the the young girl's fault. Could have been rape. Could have been, you know, miseducation. You know, mm-hmm. like how many of our parents? I don't even remember talking about my period with my mom.
1: My <laughs> mom gave me a book. <laughs> <was> like, Here. <laughs> Here's some supplies and here's a book. Okay, great.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know, and I don't know. It's like all these little things that um, happen to us in our lives make us who we are without a doubt, you know. So now that we're coming up against um, racial injustice and gender inequality, you know, we don't want to take it anymore, you know, we don't want to sit back and complain about it, you know, like we want to be vocal. And, and because I think the more we keep it inside, like a secret, then the less people know about it. And then what I'm going through, I don't know that you're going through the same thing. And in effect, we don't support each other so that we can overcome it.
1: Yeah. Uh, so. We need a community. I mean, that's the thing I'm realizing as well. I need to build a bigger community. I am happy being with my little introverted self. That's my nature. (laughs) Yeah. But introvertedness does not mean that I can't build a community of people that we can travel through this together. Exactly. Yeah. And I need to know more people, more Black people and more people of color and Indigenous people. I welcome the whole world. There we go. No discrimination. No, I don't. (laughs) at all but yeah to have discussions to sh- talk about shared experiences yeah mm-hmm. because for a while until this came out i didn't realize that a lot of people felt the same way about issues that i did yeah mm-hmm. and this quarantine has given me a chance to take some hard looks at myself and my behavior and the things that i've done and how i have to do things differently
0: hmm what are some of the things that you've changed or you've deliberately changed like from this, this, this quarantine
1: period of time? Um, I stopped my dependence on things. Mm-hmm. So I'm giving away a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm not shopping just so I can have the newest and the latest thing. Cause that's what I used to do. Yeah, I mean, we've been friends for a while. I'm a tech nerd. Mm-hmm. If there's something new and techy, I w- would want to. I'm like, but why this works? Why am I getting rid of it just to get something because it's new? It's yeah. ridiculous.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, that has to change. Um, the way I eat, the way I eat is changing because mm-hmm. I've read a few books about diet and the sugar they sneak in our foods, and it's like, yeah, I can't participate in this anymore. <laughs> hmm Exactly. Yeah. So I've changed the way I eat. I've taken care of myself. I'm walking three to five miles a day just to Ooh, healthy. Yeah. And the interesting thing is, too, in this neighborhood, I see a ton of people doing the same thing. It's like there are so many people out there that are taking control of their health right now. It's That's inspiring.
0: Funny. Yeah. I've noticed it, too, because I've been out doing some walks, and I'm like, oh, look, there's people out here walking. Like you can tell, like people are walking, I'm like, okay. I'm like, all right, you go girl. <laughs> you know? So
1: that's encouraging to see. Yeah. And I think it's because because I live in upper Manhattan and we're mainly black and brown people up here, we've gotten the message that this disease hits us harder mm-hmm. because of pre existing conditions. If you're obese, it's a pre existing. If you have asthma, it's preconditioning preconditioned diabetes. So if you have any of those and you could change it in any way possible, I think people are like, we got the message, we're changing it.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the thing with this COVID is we still don't know everything about it. You know, like you people recover from it and then you may have lingering, you know, ailments, you know, or it may come back again. Like there's so much we don't know about it. So proactively, you know, if we, like you say, if there's anything that we can do to help improve some of these preconditions, now's the time to do it.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that. And just the way that I think about myself. Yeah. Bracing the kinky hair. Ooh. Let the kinks.
0: Let the kinks out. And education too, right?
1: Education. So much reading. So much like that documentary I saw about that. T- about soul. I didn't know it existed. I you know I could watch a great interview with James Baldwin and Nikki Giovanni.
0: Oh,
1: so, uh-huh. Like all these things existed, I didn't know about before or histories I didn't know or ways of thinking about things even.
0: Yeah. And and that's the beauty of, you know, this time and day, this technology, you know, like I, I think back and I thought about this. You know, before, even before this year, like if I was alive, you know, in the 60s during the civil rights movement, what would I have done? Would I be boycotting the buses for, you know, eight, nine months? You know, mm-hmm. would I be sitting out counters, you know, letting people degrade me? Like, you know, my pride, you know, like, don't touch me. I, I don't know. <laughs> you know, would I be able to do that? You know, and um, even back then, not everyone, you know, participated in like the civil rights, you know, movement in the same way. Mm -hmm. So I think like today, when we look at, you know, the youth who are out there protesting, like we said before, there's so many different ways that we can be involved that, you know, each person can find their own comfortable patch to be able to make a difference.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's not going to be the same way. I, even before this happened, I am not the marcher. Mm
0: hmm. Mm hmm. Crowds of people. Yeah. yeah.
1: I think I've done it. I like, I've done it a few times in college. Yeah. I did it, definitely did the woman's march, which was 20 minutes. Because um, <laughs> it was so crowded. I got out of the subway station, moved like, Actually, we didn't even 20 minutes. It was an hour, and that hour, I moved approximately six feet. And mm-hmm. I realized, yeah, I'm turning around and going home. It's great <laughs> that there, there's many people out here, but I will wow. watch this on television. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I did the March for Our Lives against gun violence march, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. but because of COVID, because I'm asthmatic, because of the obesity, I'm just not comfortable risking that. Yeah, but I. I like my Instagram feed. I watch other people's Instagram feeds and I'm realizing that that is a space where we can be activists.
0: Yes. Mm. And
1: my writing, I go to school, I'm gonna go to grad school for film. That's gonna be my platform. I'm going to have a platform. Yes. And once I find that platform, I'm just gonna be balls to the wall. But until then. (laughs) All right. Well, you're right. We find our own spaces. Mm -hmm. yeah and that's okay not everybody needs to be in the same space we need to occupy a variety of spaces
0: yeah exactly when people ask about why do we need another slave movie well why do we need another world War ii movie why do we need another you know like we don't you know like there's more um more to say there's more perspectives you know like keep them coming keep them coming so yes we need more Blacks and entertainment and creatives and film and telling our stories. You know, Let's tell the same story over and over again until people get it.
1: You know, yeah. I mean, come on. We haven't stopped seeing enough English costume dramas to last a lifetime, but they <laughs> keep a coming. So, right? So <laughs> we can tell multiple stories. We can tell multiple stories, multiple ways. Yeah. It's OK.
0: Yeah. And people will continue to learn from them. You may think you know everything, but there'll be somebody who will continue to learn from it. And you open up a new, you open up someone's eyes in a new generation, you know, in a new um, age group and scenario. And then they're telling their friends. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, I'm telling you, I'm so proud. My daughter, she's 26 and um, her cousin's like 21. And so just hearing their feedback, talking about Everything that's going on right now, and um, and how we can make a difference, you know, that's that's hope, you know, that's what that's what we want, you know, we don't want to give up, you know, we don't want to say that nothing's going to change, um, but I, I I'm so proud of us, even, you know, too, you know, we're rocking our forties, you know, what I'm saying, and we're activists. <laughs>
1: Activism doesn't have an age. I mean, I know we're in a youth-dominated culture, mm-hmm. but I can be an activist at my age. I can do whatever I want at my age. I mean, just don't let yeah. the culture tell you just because you're a certain age and a woman, which you know are two very bad things, apparently, that your life is over and that you can't participate anymore. Fuck that noise!
0: No, yeah. we <laughs> get what we want. That's right. We're just gonna start it
1: exactly. <laughs> We have a whole bunch of wisdom we accumulated from the past 40 years of our life. Mm-hmm. How dare we not use that to produce something?
0: Yeah. Who are we to deprive the world of our experiences and knowledge? And that's why I love like Improper Mimi so much because it just talks to different, it gives me an avenue to talk to different women, different lifestyles, different points in their life, different achievement areas what we want to do what we have done um because everyone needs to hear that everyone needs that encouragement no matter what area or level that they're at um and and that's that's some of that encouragement is what keeps people going you know
1: it's encouragement and just being non-judgmental not just of the world at large but of yourself yeah you're going to make mistakes i'm going to make so many mistakes Mm. that my mistakes will make my other mistakes with like genius moves (laughs) That's the way life is and to be okay with it. And I think that's probably the biggest thing I've changed about my way of thinking Mm -hmm. that I don't have to be perfect that I don't have to put on a perfect front all the time. Yeah. Just be me. If I say something or do something wrong, tell me about it. We'll talk about it and we'll move on from there. But
0: yeah, I love it. I love it because that's, that's a great transformation. That's a great power to have. You know, to, to, to love ourselves enough to give ourselves that, that, um, that margin of error, you know, that allows us to be human and, and to not, you know, and to not stop believing in what we want to do just because of what somebody else says or what somebody in the world says. You know, this is our time, just like everybody else
1: you doing this podcast is your time it's your move and you're giving so many women voices
0: oh good that's what that's what it's all about
1: it's a beautiful thing and you know what you're not gonna run out of voices to hear from that's the beautiful thing because we're all different yeah
0: and that's so i love it i love it so much and i know the guys who are listening you know they're like when are you gonna have the guys are When, when when are the guys and there'll be a moment for that, you know, but I really deliberately wanted this first season to be women, all women, you know, this is our voice. This is, you know, our home work and play. Like, what are we doing? How can we do it, you know, together? It's how we do it together. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you, Miss Dana. I'm so glad that you got to join me for our convo today. Thank you for having
1: me michelle
0: yes anytime anytime and thank you so much for all your support and um yeah anything you want to share with anybody or any last parting words or anything we didn't touch on
1: hmm. there's so much we didn't touch on <laughs> but there's always there are other days um there will be other days um mm-hmm. I know it sounds super hippie-ish, but I always call myself a pragmatic hippie. So <laughs> you gotta, at the end of the day, you just gotta love your fellow man yeah. and woman.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's what it's all about.
0: Yeah. It
1: And mm-hmm. I think that's what I want to leave with. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be comfortable. It's going to be work, but nothing that is worth it does it come with a lot of work
0: exactly yeah <laughs> and and i think that's a good note to end on too because um starting with love is a great place to like think about equality and think about justice you know it's not just for one person or one type of person but it is for everybody like we're trying to do this so that other people's kids can have an equal shot at life. You know? We're doing this so that our elders are gonna be taken care of properly, you know? like the same respect and the same healthcare, like we want them to have the same opportunity as others. Um, and then for us at work, like for women, you know, we want these, these, these white men at work you know, to look at us the same they would look at their daughters you know like would you treat your daughter this way would you want her salary to be this different you know um to really just look at it with love and kindness and fairness across the board so oh boy all righty my dear
1: all right my dear thank you so much yes thank you
0: there you have it another episode of improper meeting that just goes to show you that even something as simple as sharing information on your Instagram and fact-checking it can help to empower another woman's life at home, work, or play. Until next time, keep sharing Black stories and be safe out there. Ciao!